there's crazy animals out there, but they have a name and we know what they are. I don't think there's like some mysterious thing living in lakes that is yet to show itself that we haven't yet. Well, there have been sightings. Right. But it's like... It's like big food. Grainy. <laughs> right. I hear this sound. There's like shows on TV today about like ghosts or about like, I think even Sasquatch or Yetis. And it's just like the most ridiculous. Did you hear that? Oh, that, 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 so that's you, a Yeti scream. So you're not a conspiracy guy. No. No. I'm not a, I'm not a So you believe guy. that you landed on the moon? I do. Yeah. That's so great. (laughs) Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Welcome to a little better podcast uh, where we take Sunday's message and we go a little deeper because we want to become a little better. And uh, I'm joined here with uh, Nate. Nate Miller is the pastor at Webster, where I am the worship director. And we're, I don't know, if, have you ever been in the podcast before? You I have. have. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm this brand is Webster, new. Webster Takeover Podcast Day. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I wish the rest of our crew would be here. I know. That would be cool to have the whole the whole crew. Yeah. yeah. So we are in week four of six of a series called The Ripple Effect. And... Um, yeah, I'd love to know, Nate, for those who haven't listened to it, you can go online and you can watch, listen, however you, you want to listen um, or get the message. Give people the 60-second summary of what you just talked about. For sure. So as Callum said, this is week four of The Ripple Effect. And this whole series is designed around how do we saturate our city with the gospel? So first three weeks, Drew has taken time to kind of slow down and really look within where we've talked about, does my heart break for the gospel? Does it break for my city and the brokenness that's around us? Last week was, if we're going to love people well out there, how are we doing at loving one another inside the walls of our church? And today, or that my talk on Sunday was really thinking about, okay, we've done the hard work of looking within now, like, what do we do? Or what is, what is that first step towards saturating our city with the gospel? And so that's where I just talked about how we've all been gifted this incredible message of the gospel. And as followers of Jesus, we have this responsibility to share it. And so, but how do we do that? That can feel intimidating. What does that look like? Um, How do we do it in ways that isn't weird. Yeah. Or manipulative or we're just out to try to convert somebody or lead to debate, but it's a, it's part of a genuine care and love for that, that person. So how do we, how do we share our faith? So I kind of talk through our strategy that we have here at Northridge of pray, invest, invite, and how we love that because it's really caked in, in relationships and relationships are so important when it comes to saturating our city and pointing people to Jesus that we don't want it to be calloused or cold, but we want it to yeah. be through, through friendship. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, if there, if you had like one thing, now obviously there's no silver bullets, but if there was one thing that you want people to take away from this message or mm-hmm. act on or something, like what would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, it's hard because there's a lot that I, I feel there's like I'm passionate about. But I think the one thing would be is just to have a heart and a love for the people around you. And, and, and not just that we care for them, but care for them in a way that like their eternity and their life matters. And we have the hope of Jesus within us. And so I know for me, I can get so easily into just running life and 
the schedule of the week and kids that I'm, I'm losing sight of just moments and opportunities of how do I, how do I also think about my faith and how does my faith intersect with my neighbor and with other people within my sphere of influence? But, and, and how do I nudge people towards Jesus? I, I hope I can just encourage people to have a heart and a desire to value that. Right. So more of an integration of faith into like the rhythms of life rather than kind of, it's so easy to just compartmentalize. Yeah, it. sure. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, you, you mentioned in the message about how sometimes as Christians, um, some of the times where we try and share faith, it can do more harm than good. What are some of the ways that you see us as Christians kind of doing more harm than good? Like how, how do we avoid that? For sure. Yeah, I think... I think there's a number of ways that come to my mind. I mean, my mind immediately goes to like the Red Wings game downtown and you got the guy with the bullhorn just <laughs> shouting at people, turn or burn or something mm-hmm. like that. And I just, you, at, no one is talking to them, right? They are only, they're not in ignoring. conversation. They're just ignoring. It. And they're also like, just dude, keep swimming, weird. just keep swimming. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I think part of that though is when there's a lack of, when there's a lack of relationship, I think that's when we that when we can really harm ourselves because then people feel like a project or mm. people feel like, you know, we're just trying to convert them or we just and and that's not that's that's obviously not the heart of it or that's not the the motive behind it. And I think actually I think back to when I was before I was a pastor on staff at Northridge, I worked with Campus Crusade for Christ, which is a parachurch organization. They're now they've now changed their name. I think they're called Crew. But an awesome organization, um, and so thankful for our time there. But one of the things that we would regularly do was what we called like spiritual surveys mm. or canvassing, and we would just kind of go out and around the college campus, and we would ask people these questions. I don't even remember what they were, but they would start off like pretty broad, but then they would obviously end with really spirit like questions focused on spiritual things and where they were at. And so you, in the matter of like a few moments would go from like just meeting someone to now like, where are you going to spend heaven and hell? And, and was that like helpful? Like, I mean, it was very rare. I guess I would say that someone got to the end of that survey. They're like, yes, I want to give my life over to, you know, Mm -hmm. totally change the course and direction of my life after, after a survey. And so, I think things like that, while I'm not trying to knock any of those sure. approaches or anything like that, though, those are though the things where I think people have experienced that to one degree or another, and they can look at Christians of just like, yeah, we're just, we don't care about people. We just care about, you know, cramming our faith down, you know, their, their throats and that sort of thing. So those are the things I think sometimes when, when, when we think of sharing our faith devoid of relationships, I think that that, yeah, can oftentimes do more harm than good. Talk to me a little bit more about seeing people as projects. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that we have, I think we do have that tendency, but talk, talk a little bit more of that. What, what does that, how does that show up? Right. I think, yeah, I think again, it's more a matter of if we're, if I feel like I'm trying to push further than where someone is at and just like skip ahead or like, I'm like trying to convince them of something that they have yet to fully reconcile in their heart. Like if we're forceful in any way or we're jumping ahead or sharing our faith in a way that is more, I don't know. Yeah. Condemning versus understanding. I think those are, those are ways where, yeah, we do more harm than, than good and just aren't, aren't helpful, I guess. 
um, just just trying to get them across a line, that mm-hmm. line of faith, wherever it might be. But sometimes it's just approach. I think so often right. it comes down to approach. So being a keyboard warrior is maybe not the best approach either. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Blasting, whatever. Yeah. On social media or trying to, yeah, put a faith <laughs> statement out there and expecting people to receive that and right. like, oh, I believed. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked about prayer, investing, inviting. Um, sometimes I think we default to the prayer thing. It's like easy to prayer to pray for people. Like if I just, I'll pray for those who are far from God or maybe family member or friend or something like that. And that's cool. I'm, I'm doing it. Um, where do you think from the three of those that we tend to be the weakest in? For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I go immediately to invite, but I think invest, there's also, it can be hard to know exactly how to do that well, especially when it comes to like people who aren't close relationally to us. Yeah. It can, can be easy to invest with people that you know, we just have some sort of common connection with. But so I think there's room on investing, but I think the inviting one is hard. I think that that's where people will, will more default to the church. Like if I can just get them to church, or listen to this book, or podcast, or read this book, like that, they'll get it there. But to be able to like walk someone through trusting Christ, I think a lot of people that's where they get real. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Right. How do I, man? How do I share the gospel in a way that that is clear and they understand it, and also, yeah, want to trust Christ themselves. So. I think the inviting one is probably the one where people feel the least amount of like, oof, I'm not, I don't know how to do that. Is that because we default, like you said, to the church? Or is that because we like, what what about it do we struggle with? Is it like being able to share a story? Is it just going beyond inviting someone to church? Mm-hmm. Like, or what, what may be some other ways in which we can do that? Right. I think the reason why we struggle with it is it feels in, it feels just intimidating or people don't feel qualified or they feel like, I, I mean, the Bible is a really big book. How in the world do I now in this moment, like summarize this in a way that is clear um, and understandable? I think part of it too, is it we don't want to offend maybe at some level too, or we get to a point where it's just like, Oh, I, I, for the sake of the relationship and the pressure that might even be there, like, how do I, I don't want to do that. So like, just, just come to church and come into church is fine. Like, that's great. But I, I think the ultimate, I think a sign of maturity or growing in our faith is we also have this ability when those moments come up that we know how to talk about Jesus in ways that are helpful and clear, not condemning or not forceful, but people say, okay, that was helpful. Oh, that made sense. Right. What, (laughs) I mean, you probably have some stories from crew, but I'd love to know from you, like on the inviting front, what has been your experience of something going horribly wrong and also like what's been an instance where it's like in the inviting front has gone really well like what's been your experience sure yeah I think back to early on early on in 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 my faith this would be probably not in my faith but in my ministry time like during my time with crew there were there were times that like those surveys flat out just ended in debate and it turned into well, the Bible says this. Well, no, I believe this. Mm-hmm. Or how can, what, how could God allow this? And how do I reconcile this? I mean, it just, it very, there were, there were times for sure where it just turned into, into a debate. And then, yeah, you've now just 
almost feels like you've made an enemy. Yeah, you're arguing. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the times for me that have been sweetest have been just some some friends of ours that we've connected with through um, just the common interests of sports and family mm-hmm. and baseball. My son plays baseball. Just had some really cool, sweet moments where a relationship has been built where sometimes for me it's a little bit easier. Maybe you've experienced this too, but as soon as people like hear that I'm a pastor, I work at a church, like it changes that dynamic. And in some ways it does over time, it provides some opportunities to actually talk about, like they say, like, so like, what do you do? And I've had several conversations in recent years with, with other families that have been just really cool to talk about my faith in a way that isn't forced, but it's natural. And it's through a shared friendship with somebody. Uh, That's always an awkward one for me because they're like, what do you do? It's like, I do music at a church. And I get more often than you might think, do you do the organ? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, sure. like, no, like imagine like a band and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like for sure. You have a bit of an easier, right? a pastor, a church, people- A little bit more understandable, yeah. sure. Um, I'd love to move on to neighbors because um, I think that's a big part, especially in the um, investment side of things. And in, in the- the West, specifically in, in North America, we have a, a, I think, do a really poor job of neighboring well. And I think f- being from Scotland, I think we have a little bit more, I'll, I'm not going to say it was a, a, a collective society. I can't remember that word. I'm, it's blanking on me now. But I would say we have more of a social society where a, we have a bit more of awareness. So when I came to the States, it was like, whoa, this is weird. People especially coming into Chicago, not necessarily Rochester. Chicago was so transient and people were like more guarded. If you wanted to hang out with someone, it was never in your house. Mm. It was always like over coffee or over dinner. And it was like, all right, time to leave. Like it was always this just weird guarded thing. Um, That's not quite as bad here in Rochester, but I'd love to know your experience in trying to love your neighbors well. Right. What's that been like? So we've lived, I think, in three different places or neighborhoods, I guess I would say, over the, you know, Emily and I married 18 years, three different places. And they've all kind of been, they've been different. The first home we lived in was an older community. And we just, people just stayed to themselves. The neighborhood that we are in now, for sure, has been the most where there's a collective sense of like us our, our, our neighborhood. They got a Facebook group. It's oh, easy wow. to see what's going on. Um, um, there's a lot of uh, neighborhoods just full of kids. Mm-hmm. So very similar stage of life. We also live in a cul-de-sac and that even has its sense of community, mm-hmm. which has been really, really cool. So in 2018, when we moved into our most recent neighborhood, there was just a sense of of, of being a neighbor that we just didn't experience in our other, in our other neighborhoods. And I think it had to do with just where people were at stage of life, but then even just the cul-de-sac reality of like, you're all kind of mm-hmm. facing one another. And the cul-de-sac is honestly like a place. Playground. It is. It's where the, it's like this meeting place for our community, especially in the summer, man, like people will walk through our neighborhood, but when they get to the cul-de-sac, they stop right. and the kids will play. And then it's honestly been a wonderful time to just connect with families and get to know get to know. So I feel like it's been e- the easiest in our current. So you must be doing really well there. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of connections and people and man, it's been wonderful to really feel like we know a lot. I mean, a lot of people throughout our neighborhood. That's cool. Yeah. I remember we knew when we were, uh, before we moved 
from Chicago to Rochester. I remember we bought a house. This was just before we had our first son in 2018. And we knew we weren't going to be there forever. We knew uh, Illinois, western suburbs of Chicago wasn't going to be forever. Um, but we made a dis a, an intentional decision that we were going to invest into our neighbors. And what was interesting, it was a fairly kind of odd, whoever like mapped out the neighborhood definitely paid someone off because the way our houses were kind of lined up okay. was really odd. Um, but the the two neighbors, so it was our house, um, it was Dennis and Berta and then Andrew and Sierra, and they hadn't really talked or spent much time together. And by the end of it, um, I'll tell a story. So uh, Carly one time chased down Sarah and there was a park nearby us. She chased her down and said, hi, yeah, we just moved into the neighborhood. Not long after Sarah had written a little note and it put it in her mailbox. And that like sparked a friendship where Andrew, her husband is now like my golf partner on our uh, oh, that's, annual that's golf cool. trip. Uh, Dennis and Berta felt like our parents. Um, he rode a Harley and it was just like, really cool dynamic they would have fires out the back and um it was just a really special time that even though we knew it was going to be a short period of time the the blessing that they were to us mm. even though we didn't every conversation wasn't this like faith-based decision in fact i think with andrew it wasn't until we were driving up to wisconsin for our golf trip that i was like what's your history with the church like what and he he had like grown up in the church and it was in college that things started to free for him, for him. Mm. Um, or being able to over dinner at Dennis and Berta's house. We were, it was during one of the elections. I was like, guys, just, I want you to know they were definitely like, like I can't vote. So it doesn't really matter, but they were um, more Democrat and Trump was on the scene. And I was like, I just want you to know guys, like we, there's a lot that's coming out about what Christians are saying and that doesn't represent what we believe. Mm. Um, we care about the immigrant. We understand that there's policy, but we care about the immigrant. And we, we want to present to you as much as we can Jesus. So being able to have that conversations with them, but there's such a fruitful blessing that is to like, sure. just know your neighbor. How so. long did that like take? Would you say before you got to a point of truly being able to have uh, I mean, all of that conversation and time is meaningful, mm -hmm. but like to the spiritual component, was that over the course of a couple of weeks? No, couple this months, was a like, year or this is at least probably two years. Okay. Um, I think it was 2021 was the first golf trip where I had that chat with Andrew, but we we just really built the friendship. There's one time where Andrew had like a a really debilitating migraine when he was looking after his daughter, and Sarah called Carly. Hey Carly, like Andrew, like can hardly talk. Can you go over there and look after uh, their daughter? Like, okay, and so there's there's these moments where you can build trust with sure. people, um, and you need to extend that as well. Like I remember like. Um, Berta would grow like a bunch of tomatoes, tomatoes, um, in the in their garden, and they would like Watson would go through the trees, take her by the hand, and go pick tomatoes. And there's just like little ways. Where I trust right, you sure. with my child. Like right. um, now, there's obviously like a a balance there, which I know you've had first hand experience where there is needs to be mm -hmm. a balance of protection. But I think we over err on the protection. Sure. Um, sure. I, I know you've been dealing with that in your neighborhood a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it's certainly been challenging as of late because of a situation with our neighbor who's literally under house arrest for three years. Like he can't live 
leave his his house or there's very specific reasons when he can due to something that happened with another neighbor just down the street for from us we know both of them well and it has been really hard and challenging being in the middle of that um with families involved and kids involved to to navigate that well and we've had opportunities to meet with both of these these families and it's been it's been neat for them in some way to seek out like help which has been cool for us in ways to have have some conversations but i mean it's it's also been really challenging of knowing what is the best way to help when things are really hard and broken and messed up and children are involved and how do you protect and where is the line from yeah being protect thoughtful in how we protect our kids but mm-hmm. also being being there to be present to provide hope in in a hard situation to both sides of that has been really really hard and challenging over over this last year you know, to the point where like, man, do we need to move? Like we come home and this is the selfish part of me. Like I come home and I want it to be rest mm-hmm. and I want it to be comfort and I want it to be that. Um, and that's fine to an extent, but if that's all I think home is, well, then I'm missing out on the brokenness right next door that I can be a light light to. And and right. yeah, that it's really challenged me when it comes to thinking through my, yeah, my my neighbors where I can so easily just reclu- be a recluse or think about home as comfort. Yeah, that's a great sales pitch for someone that wants to love their neighbors well. Like move because I don't. It's so uncomfortable, but we have this propensity to just seek comfort. Yeah. Um, for those that do want to take that step, let's wrap it up here. What would be some resources, some tools that you would suggest to them to get started? Well, the book, um, Loving Your Neighbor or Loving Our Neighbors, um, mm-hmm. it's written by two authors. The Art of Neighboring. The Art of Neighboring is a great book, especially if you're thinking like on the investing side and how do you, how what does it look like to be a good neighbor is a really, really great, great, tremendous resource. I think the line in there they say is like, what if Jesus meant, that loving our neighbors meant loving our actual neighbors or something mm. like that, which is really convicting. But that is a really great... A the, great quote, the quote for me, I have it here, um, was from the mayor of Denver back in 2009. And he said, the, and this was bef- they were meeting together, and this was before the, the mayor knew really what they were going to talk about. And said, the majority of the issues that our community is facing would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we could just figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. Mm. So convicting. Like, how can we be good neighbors? And that is our call as Christians, is right. to be good neighbors. Um, well, this has been fun. Webster Takeover. Yes. Um, hopefully we could do this again sometime. Um, but be back next week. Uh, I believe Noah is speaking um, for week five of six. So join us back here on the podcast. Um, be sure to um, subscribe, like, and uh, make sure you listen next week. And if you haven't listened to the rest of the series, go back on the website. Um, there's a lot of great content there. But let's get comfortable in the discomfort so that we can love our neighbors well. See you next time.